This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. To support the Quest and being able to produce more local programming, please visit thequestatlanta.com and click the donate button. Thank you for your generosity. The Quest presents an encore presentation of Shelter in Peace. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Shelter in Peace. We are broadcasting live from our studios in Roswell, Georgia, here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Catholic radio station. I am Mari Cleveland, and I am joined by my co-host, Anne Satilli. Good morning. Good it's glad morning. to be back. We're so glad you were here back with us, Anne, and with our other Anne, except Annie, Annie Porter, our beautiful and talented producer. Good morning, y'all. Good morning. So, um, as we come together this morning, we just welcome you listeners. We're so thankful that you are faithful and you're walking this journey with us. And we've got a lot of things we'll be talking about today. It's a special day that the Lord has made. It's also special because this would have been St. Mother Teresa's 110th birthday today. Wow. Isn't that cool? It is cool. We're not going to sing for you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on, come on. I love to do that, actually. It's one of my favorite things. I call all my friends on their birthdays and sing to them. Um, So it's great. Yeah, and so what we'll be talking about today, it's kind of interesting. When we chose our topic, we didn't realize it was her birthday. And our topic this morning is really around um, kind of just some of the realities of living in a broken, fallen world and some of the challenges, but then what do we do with that? And I think she's just such a beautiful example of what you do, especially when you're faced with things that you don't really expect that are going to happen in your life. You know, her whole life was one new adventure, one new surprise from God after another, but it had a lot of dark places too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She really honestly talks about that dark night of the soul. And I think some of us may be facing that right now, right? Yeah. We've been on this journey of this pandemic, just all of these things happening in the world and then in our country for going on six months now. Um, We originally just thought, oh, this is just a quick virus. We'll be done in three months, right? Everybody was making plans. Yeah. Okay. By the summer, it'll be over. It'll be fine. Um, But it's now going on six months and we don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. We don't see a light at the end of, of, of what we're seeing. We keep hearing, oh, well, maybe next year. Well, maybe, oh, it might be a year and a half. We don't know. Right. So, yeah. so we have to live in hope. We do. We have to live in hope. And we have to remember that the, our light at the end of the tunnel is Jesus himself. Right. Yes. So that's the promise. That is the promise. So that's what we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be talking about just that promise he gives us. We're going to talk about what happens when you are weary and when some of your expectations um, are not met and just the reality that sometimes expectations can be joy killers. And so what do we do with that? But before we do that, we want to offer some hope by praying, by opening with prayer and and just um, praying back to God. One of the most beautiful ways that we can um, just be reminded of the hope we have is by going to his word, because his word is so full of beautiful words of hope. And as we pray those words back to him, I think that can sometimes be one of the ways that we can fill our hearts in such beautiful ways. Yeah. Okay. So let's go ahead and start with prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we praise you. This morning, we praise you. We praise you that your mercies are new every morning. We praise you because you are worthy of our praise and because you are our Abba Father who um, just does so much to bless us and offer us your hope. And Lord, we pray back to you this morning 
from the book of Ephesians, these beautiful words that Paul wrote from Ephesians 4, I'm sorry, Ephesians 3, 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that he may grant you in accord with the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in the inner self, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend what all the holy ones, what is the breadth, with all the holy ones, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to accomplish far more than all we ask or imagine by the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I just always love that line, to him who is able to accomplish far more than all we ask or imagine. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Sorry, my glasses were not quite working very well this morning. I was stumbling over trying to read the little words in my Bible there. Um, they get smaller every day. They do. They really do. So um, so anyway, so we were talking about expectations and how um, we as humans naturally have expectations of the way we think things are supposed to be and how that can sometimes get in the way of um, the reality that we're facing, but also get in the way of the of the joy that that God offers us. And and you had a really beautiful insight into some of the earliest followers of Jesus who ran into that same problem. Right. I think that um, that during this time, especially, we can look to the the early church, look to the disciples, mm-hmm. um, especially right after the crucifixion. Yes. Um, they're just totally devastated, mm-hmm. disappointed. Um, they're grieving, and they're so fearful. Mm-hmm. And they gather in the upper room. They they lock the door, and they're trying to sort it all out. Mm-hmm. Um, and and really, the only way to sort it all out is is prayer, right? And it tells us in the, in Acts, they devoted themselves with one accord to prayer. They mm-hmm. came together. They prayed. Um, Mary was with them. Mm-hmm. You know, leading and guiding, um, bringing them, you know, to the place where they could really focus on what God had promised them. Mm-hmm. You know, the, um, the hope and the trust they had to place in what Jesus said was true, that he would never leave them orphaned. He would never leave them alone. Mm-hmm. You know, they expected an earthly king. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, they expected to sit at his right hand and, you know, rule over their oppressors mm-hmm. and um, just live in a different time mm-hmm. that he would bring about that kingdom on earth and of course we know the end of the story that that wasn't that wasn't the plan right um so they devoted themselves to to that prayer and that trust in the promise of the coming of the holy spirit mm-hmm. that that god would come in a powerful way um even if they couldn't see it and they didn't they didn't know what the outcome would be they they trusted and, mm-hmm. and hoped mm-hmm. um i uh I always loved that line in Mass. Uh, it's a little bit different now. I, mm-hmm. I think they've changed the words a little bit, but the meaning yeah, you and is I the talked same. about this. We both love that prayer. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, the the prayer after the Our Father when the when the priest says, "Protect us from all anxiety, as we wait in joyful hope for the coming of our Savior 
Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, there is anxiety and waiting. There's anxiety and anticipation, mm-hmm. um, and in you know wanting those things that we expect to mm-hmm. come out in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have to be reminded that you know not to be discouraged and to pray with that mm-hmm. with that joyful hope. Yeah, that joyful hope. You know, the other thing that you when you just painted that visual that I love is you reminded us Mary was there in the upper room. Mm-hmm. You know, she was there to remind them, remember who Jesus is, remember who he is, remember what he said. They heard it from him for about three years. She was with him forever. And she was first, you know, received all of the, um, just the words from the very beginning, from the annunciation to her, she started pondering various things that God and his angels and, and the ways that God spoke to her in her heart. So don't you know that she probably has some, some real wisdom to ground them in that time too. And she was devastated as well. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I can't imagine in, in her grief still having mm-hmm. that, having that hope and, and, and pushing forward. Right. You know, I, I shared in one of our other programs that my husband died a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he lost a battle with, with cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he left me with a, a high school, son in high school and a daughter in college. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that first year after he died, you're, you're kind of just walking around in a fog Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, things, it's hard to sort, sort things out. And as we approached the year anniversary of his death, um, which, which he passed away on Christmas morning, Mm -hmm. um, we were thinking, you know, how, how are we going to get through this? Mm -hmm. Um, we're really being hit with all the emotions of Mm -hmm. the reality that it's been a year and he's really gone Mm -hmm. and we have to celebrate Christmas this year without him. So we decided that we would not have any of the traditions that we had in the past because there was no way to recreate them. Mm -hmm. So we decided we would take a trip, um, and, we're incredibly blessed that we were able to do that. Um, and my daughter and I wanted to go to, to Italy to go to Europe. Um, and my son, who was uh, 16 at the time, uh, was really balking at that. And we decided that we would let Thomas choose. Okay. So Thomas chose to go to Belize. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter and I are not adventurous. We wanted <laughs> to do churches and museums. And Thomas wanted to zip line and... Uh, Play with monkeys. <laughs> correct. <laughs> Correct. Um, and the bonus was to call where they filmed, like, I don't know, Star Wars or something. So, okay. so anyway, we let Thomas choose, and we um, we went to Belize, and we uh, stayed at this beautiful resort in the middle of the jungle. Um, and we were traveling with uh, mostly Jewish families uh-huh. because, you know, I guess that's what they do at Christmas time. Right, they get right. a good deal. So uh, it was really difficult to find a church for Mass. And mm. that was the one thing, obviously, that was important to us, that we would celebrate Christmas Eve Mass. So we found a driver and a church in this little town, and we went to Midnight Mass. And um, we, there was very little talking. You know, we, were, we, were, we didn't even know what to expect or mm-hmm. how to get through this, this mm-hmm. time and this grief. Um, and so we showed up at this Midnight Mass, and it was pure chaos in the church. <laughs> Absolute chaos. Picture, you know, huge families and lots of children, and we we found ourselves in the middle of the Christmas pageant. Oh, that's and, awesome! And um, just crazy music. And, and in Latin America, people are really loud too. Uh, oh, it was so loud, and there yeah. were fireworks outside the church, and awesome. there were chickens. Um, you know, yeah. they brought the gifts to the altar. All of, it was just complete and utter chaos. Um, 
but God was in that, you know, mm-hmm. and it's almost what we needed to mm-hmm. stir up that that excitement about Christmas oh, in in wow. our family. Um, but when I tell you the com- the mood of the church completely changed at the time of the Eucharist, mm. it was tangible. Mm. You could f- you could feel it. There was no more commotion. There wow. was this peace and this sense of joy and reverence and appreciation for the word became flesh. Oh, wow. Like I've never seen and experienced before. Mm. And as you watch those families go up together to receive our Lord in, in Holy Communion, it it was just awe striking. Mm-hmm. You know, that gift of wonder and awe of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We participated in that. And we left that Mass with a whole new outlook and mm-hmm. a whole new joy in our hearts. Yeah. And God just showed up yeah. in, in a huge, huge way. What a beautiful story. And I love that how God shows up in ways we don't expect, right? Mm-hmm. So he showed up, well, for you and your daughter, first of all, he showed up in this beautiful creation that you weren't expecting experience, right. you know, right? You wanted the paintings and the beautiful frescoes and all right. of that, right? But he also showed up in the chaos and love and joy of families mm-hmm. um, celebrating together. Well, and families that didn't look like ours, and yeah. ours didn't look the same anymore. You yeah. know, our family looks so mm. different. And just to see that that beauty and just that sharing in the body of Christ that didn't matter what those families looked like. We were part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And then the fact that then you were all one. Right. That at the point of Eucharist, you all became one. And you were all together in that still small place, that quiet, reverent place where God just... Oh, came down. That's it's such. I can I can feel it. Just mm-hmm. you describing it, I can feel it. That is so beautiful, and it is amazing. I was I was saying that one of the scriptures that kept coming to mind to to me as we were preparing today is, you know, as we're in this place, it can be so hard to find God. We keep looking for Him because we think. We get caught up in the things that are not happening that we expect to be happening. You were caught up. You didn't know what to expect in that time. Mm-hmm. You were in a place of mourning and grief still, and you had the expectations of what Christmas used to be like or the expectations of what Europe might be like or Rome would be like at Christmas, and you were totally new. And it, the same thing struck me when I thought the scripture that came to me was from First Kings when Elijah goes looking for God, right? Right. And he doesn't know exactly how he's going to find God too. And it's in First Kings nineteen. And you know, first he's standing there waiting, looking for God. Where how's God going to appear? And there's this really strong wind that comes and is actually bending the mountain and all, but God's not there. And then there's an earthquake that comes, but God's not there. Then there's a huge fire that comes, and God's still not there. And we're looking for God in these huge places. But sometimes we have to create a stillness within ourselves and allow ourselves to get very, very small, very, very quiet, very, very still. And it was in a tiny whisper that Elijah was able to hear God. Right. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that this time has done for so many of us. We've spoken about it here on the show before is it it's made us stop and be still. Mm-hmm. Be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we can only know that he is God when we are still. Um, we had a real unexpected way that God showed up for us, uh, about a week and a half ago. Um, and the beginning of the story is not going to sound like one where God's going to show up. But, um, (laughs) my daughter, um, we've got, you know, several cars in our family now because we've got, you know, several adults who are all driving. And so my daughter's car was parked on the street in front of our house and on a Monday morning, 
um, before school started a couple about a week and a half ago. I got a call early in the morning from our neighbor saying, I've got some bad news. The police are here. Um, your daughter's car and my son's car were both broken into last night. Somebody smashed their car windows and grabbed stuff out of their car. And apparently this has been going on in our part of town, unfortunately. And so we went out there and my daughter, um, what they stole out of her car was her softball bag. And she had her very first softball game of the season coming up in two days. And she was already a little bit worried and anxious about it. She knew she was going to be playing second base. She was going to be against a big rival team. It was, you know, they've been gearing up for this. And her softball get bag with her bat, with her cleats. She's also, um, you know, a really strong runner and the, the team relies on her for that. So her cleats, her glove, which Annie, when I told Annie this story, Annie, the first thing was she, devastated for her. <laughs> was and he goes oh, not her warning glove <laughs> yes her warning glove was gone and it was just not only the devastation of that but also just the violation that somebody she mm. went out there and i could see she was trying to hold it together and she was so brave and we're talking to the police officer and she's explaining all that's gone and then her beautiful big brown eyes just welled up in tears and she said why would somebody do this and she was so sad mm. why would somebody do this you could see just the glass everywhere it was just such such a it was so such a sad moment so we got in touch with the coach you know the helmet's gone the everything's gone and um so within about an hour i was actually on another call for work and I saw a text come across my phone and it was from a woman I hadn't spoken to in probably eight or 10 years. And I, of course, a Facebook friend, right? But her son and, and my daughter had been in preschool together and she said, we have found Lily's bag, call me. And I thought, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. And so long story short, apparently the guys who were robbing all the cars as they were driving away from all these neighborhoods were literally just going through bags and throwing things out of car win- their car window. And so we found one cleat and then about a block and a half later, we found her big old gold helmet in front of another house. And then around another corner was where the overall, the bag had been thrown out. And so her bag had pretty much everything still in it. And it was just a miracle it was really a miracle and it was like three degrees of separation the person who found it recognized the name somebody you know it took three different degrees of people to get back to us but so she got everything back except her cleats and um she said well mom my cleats were starting to fall apart i kind of needed new ones so okay but she still had to break in new cleats for her first game so that afternoon she comes downstairs and of course we're still dealing with the fact that here's the other part of it it was going to be her senior, the first day of senior year. So everybody was going to get to decorate the cars that day. She wasn't going to get to decorate her car. You know, it's a tradition. You get to see everybody do that. She wasn't going to get to decorate her car. She wasn't going to get to drive her car on the first day of school because her car was going to be in the shop getting fixed. Obviously, it was going to cost a lot of money to do that. But she, so all this stuff is going on. And she comes dancing downstairs, getting ready for practice that afternoon. And she said, I'm in the best mood. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, all this has just happened. She even cut her hand, like, because she had to reach in the bag to check on things and there was glass from it. It was just crazy. I said, well, why are you in the best mood? And she said, you know what, mom, because God's got my back. God's got me. And I said, oh, and she said, and this was the profound part. And this is where sometimes just us being still as parents and listening to our kids, because God speaks in that still small voice to our children as well. And she said, mom, what I realized, I realized that I needed a sign to remind me that God is in control. Mm. 
And don't we all, don't we all need that sign? We need that sign to remind us in the midst of all this, that God is in control. God is in control and he's got it. And if we realize how much he loves us, then we're okay with him being in control. Yeah. And we're okay with that. Right. Yeah. Well, and the beauty of that story is, is that Lily recognized Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's been my prayer through this, through this whole time is that, okay, God, you've stripped away so many things. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I know that you want me to be closer to you and to see you and Mm to, you know, answer whatever that call is on my life right now. And I don't want to miss it. My my prayer every day is let my eyes be open, my ears Mm -hmm. be open, my Mm -hmm. heart be open. um, Because I I don't want to miss what you're trying to say to me at this time. You know, and that word heart, we were talking about that before, right? Because what happens when our expectations aren't met, when the way we thought it was going to be, you know, nobody got to graduate this year, right? Mm-hmm. Or actually, a few people got to graduate. But people were so upset about their children missing out on various things, college graduation, high school graduation, just all the various events, weddings. How many weddings didn't happen this year, right? Right. Or get postponed or, or whatever, or just didn't look the way that we thought they were going to look. So all these expectations we have, and as our expectations are you know, mowed down time after time and all these things, as we said earlier, it became expectations sometimes become joy killers because we hold up this expectation. And then when it doesn't happen, our joy is killed and our heart starts to shut down and our hearts start to be hard. Right. And we saw that in the scripture last week, you know, we were hearing those scriptures from the prophet Ezekiel Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, about how God steps in even then. Right, exactly. And so that was Ezekiel 36, chapter 36, verse 26. I will give you a new heart and place a new spirit within you, taking from your bodies your stony hearts. I will put I will, I will put my spirit within you and make you live by my statutes, careful to observe my decrees. But that whole part about I will put my spirit within you and is so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and I think what you said about you know, as parents, sometimes we project things on mm-hmm. onto our onto our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, my son Thomas was a senior this year at St. Louis University, mm-hmm. and uh, spring break he found out that you know he was home here in Atlanta, and he found out that he had to quickly get back to St. Louis, pack up all his things, and his semester was over. Yeah, um, and at that point we didn't know if graduation was going to happen or you know what that was going to look like, um, and I was devastated. Yeah, absolutely devastated about graduation mm-hmm. you know I um we've gotten a few years past him losing his father and and things are you know w- more joyful and celebrations are are looking a little bit different mm-hmm. and um and my hope was that you know Thomas's high school graduation was a little bit disappointing yeah, and but overshadowed by some of that grief right yeah. and I just felt like okay here it is it's college you know mm-hmm. this college graduation and our whole family was going to St. Louis and we were gonna have this big celebration and we were all so looking forward to celebrating Thomas in a, re- in a real way mm-hmm. um and that was all you know stripped away taken away and um, you know, I expressed those things to Thomas over the next, you know, those couple months when he was home. And at one day he just looked at me and he said, mom, 
it's not about the graduation. He said, I'm okay with that. I, I moved on. Mm-hmm. I'm not having a graduation. He said, it's the relationships yeah. that I'm mourning. Yeah. You know, my friends that we left and went to different parts of the world for spring break mm-hmm. and we expected to come back and have the you know rest of the school year together and yeah. that's gone. And he said, some of those people I will never see again. Mm. It's about the the relationship. The relationships, yeah. And and that's that's how God too repairs our stony hearts. Mm-hmm. It's the relationship that we have with him and yeah. with the others that he puts in our life to love. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and that's also one where we have to be careful too, right? Because sometimes our expectations aren't about events. Sometimes our expectations are about the other people in our lives. Right. Right. And we expect certain things from certain people and we expect them to behave a certain way. We expect a certain type of relationship with them. We expect them to do certain things. And if we do that, that becomes a joy killer in the relationship, right? Right. We can't just appreciate who they are and what maybe God wants to do in that relationship. Um, One of my dear friends always talked about divine appointments. Mm -hmm. And each time you have a relationship, there's a divine appointment. You know, God wants to do something. And I realized recently, um, I just had to really confess and apologize to God and just ask for forgiveness because what I realized is that I have a a friend who um, I was expecting something in the relationship and it didn't come, it didn't happen the way that I thought it was going to happen. And so I started to harden my heart a little bit toward this person. And then recently I realized, I found out something that she was dealing with and I thought that's the way the enemy gets in, right? Mm -hmm. Because I could have been there and I could have been pouring into her. I could have been Um, in her life to be offering her love and compassion, maybe pointing her to God, maybe sharing scripture with her, maybe praying with her. There were different ways that God wanted to be able to use me to love on her, Mm -hmm. use me to um, encourage her. And because I had an expectation that wasn't met, I had allowed my heart to become stony. And I didn't have this heart of flesh that was then open to let God's love pour through me. Mm. And it was so devastating, honestly. I'm still actually kind of dealing with it a little bit. Yeah, I'm just so sad at myself. I'm so sad at the fact that I let the enemy insinuate himself into that situation and steal the joy and steal the opportunity for hope that was in that situation. Right. Um, Because of my own, you know, personal expectations that I had set unrealistically and unfairly. Yeah, but the beauty of our God is is that love and mercy, mm. and that you can turn to Him, and He says, "Mari, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I'll give you another opportunity yeah. to allow my love to flow through you." Right, and that's just like we look for Him. Just what, like we say, we need to keep on looking for Him. Where is He in the still small whisper? We also need to continue to look for those opportunities to um, to be Him, to to pour His love out other people. And so that, dear listeners, is what we're talking about today. We're talking about when when those expectations are not met, what do we do in the face of that? What is it that we do in the face of that? And it can be really, really challenging um, because sometimes we're so personally um, devastated by that that we forget to get out of ourselves. And that's why, once again, I'm going to go back to that idea that Mary was there in the upper room mm-hmm. because she was the one who could continue to point them back. And I think about, for us, sometimes we can ask the saints, we can ask people to intercede for us, right? We can ask Mary, keep on pointing me toward your son or saints in heaven, intercede for me about this situation because you're right there. You are not bound by this earthly yuck that's going on around us. You see clearly what I can only see through a veil right now. Right. And like they said, you know, that scripture in Acts says in 
that those apostles, they prayed together of one accord. Of one accord. We're not in this alone. That is beautiful. That's perfect. So listeners, you are listening to Shelter in Peace here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic radio. And we thank you for being with us. We are going to head to break. And after break, we actually have a guest with us in studio. We're so excited to introduce him to you. So stay tuned. This is Matt Curry from Men of St. Bridget in Johns Creek, Georgia. You are listening to Atlanta Catholic Radio, AM 1160, The Quest. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes. Healthcare providers should care about health, right? Why then has Planned Parenthood's actual women's health care services dropped over 72% in the last 10 years? Abortion is not health care. Abortion kills. Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion provider in the United States with 700 abortion facilities, and in the 2019 fiscal year, they ended 345,672 innocent American lives. This is an increase of 13,000 in the last year and 25,000 over the last two years. To put that in context, that is about half the population of Washington, D.C. Why then does the United States government continue to send the millions of taxpayer dollars in funding and grants year after year? If we don't stop them, no one will. Let's love God by loving life. Show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. AM 1160 The Quest is listening to you too. One listener shared. Every time I get in my car, I turn on The Quest and it seems to always address whatever is on my heart that day. God is really speaking to me through this station. Thank you so much for bringing a message of truth, and to hope into my life and to so many others across Atlanta. If you're enjoying the station, please consider supporting us with a donation. Go online to thequestatlanta.com. Listening to AM 1160 The Quest at home just got easier. Join The Quest with Alexa. Search for us on the Alexa app or say Alexa, enable the Quest skill. After enabling the skill, simply say, Alexa, open the Quest. Now joining the Quest. Good afternoon and welcome back to Shelter in Peace. We are so glad that you are listening with us today. I'm Mari Cleveland and I'm here with my co-host, Ann Satilli. Hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) And um, we've been talking for the last half hour about expectations and about um, how sometimes those can get in the way of what God really wants to do in our lives because either we're so disappointed um, and our hearts become kind of hard or just we're so caught up in the moment of, of an expectation not being met that we don't see God in that moment. And uh, what can we do about that? Right. And just to refocus us, I have a scripture from Romans. Oh, perfect. I'll share. Um, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are as nothing compared with the glory to be revealed for us in hope that creation would be set free from slavery to corruption and share in the glorious freedom of the children of God. Mm. So there's there's hope and there's freedom in God and our our sufferings are nothing compared to what he suffered for us and the glory that that's going to be revealed. Yeah, and that's awaiting us. Yeah. Yeah, so we just have to pay attention and wait. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's so easy. I know, it's easy to say, isn't it? Yeah. There's it's so so challenging in the waiting, especially this time of waiting that the whole world seems to be almost 
uh, in some ways holding its breath and in some ways just um, they're coming out in just real destructive hard ways too. It's really interesting to see the dichotomy of what's happening out there. Yeah. But I think it's a real opportunity for God to use us um, to, to be that hope in, mm-hmm. in the fallen world. Yeah. And I think part of it too is us being very diligent about how, what are we spending our time doing? What are right. we reading? What are we watching? What are we listening to? Um, and are we soaking ourselves enough in him and in his word and in his truth to be able to be those that person for other people? How I spend my time really is it has a direct impact on how I am able to be there for other people and point them to him. Right. And it's, it's just a time to reevaluate and to um, look at our priorities. And it, it's just a real opportunity to, mm-hmm. to walk in, walk in Jesus's path. Right. And we've got the, we've got, we're in control of that part, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. We, we, can... we have to say yes. <laughs> we do. We do. So I, we promised you right before the break that we had a guest with us today. And so we are so thankful and glad that Father Paul Porter has said yes and agreed to come and be with us on the radio today. So welcome, Father Paul. Thanks for having me here, Mari and It's good to be here with y'all. We're so glad. We are glad. So I um I met Father Paul before he was Father Paul. This is the first time I've seen him, you know, with that great title. Um, it's <laughs> it's it's very exciting and our, our church is really going to be blessed, um, blessed through him. He and I worked together uh with the Steubenville Atlanta Conference um, when he was a seminarian and a deacon. Um, he did a little bit of herding cats. It was awesome. <laughs> this is true. Uh, <laughs> um, and it's just, it's it's a real amazing witness at that conference to have the seminarians from our archdiocese there um, to, to really show young people that vocations to the priesthood are, are alive in our archdiocese and, it, and it's a possibility and it's um, it's it, it's a possibility to to enter into that with, with joy and um, so it's always a bl- always a blessing to have those seminarians around that is awesome yeah. and so and you just are... see them ordained as priests I know exactly you got to see his collar and everything now I know right? it's awesome so Father Paul, you have now been assigned to your very first um, parish, right? So I you're, have. You're, I have. I'm over at St. Peter Chanel, just about five minutes down the road. That is awesome. Just down the street from us. We're so we're so thankful. So we typically, when we invite a priest on, our listeners are always very fascinated because, you know, priests are kind of mysterious to us, right? <laughs> to us lay people, right? And so people love to hear a little bit about you, your background, and maybe even what called you, how were you called into the priesthood? So what would you like to share with our listeners about you, yourself? Yeah, so... I grew up real close to the parish I'm at now, which is uh, kind of an unusual thing. Usually priests are not assigned uh, near their home parish or to their home parish. Uh, But I was fortunately assigned just 10 minutes away from where my folks live and where I grew up. That's great. Uh, I grew up in Marietta and went to Pope High School. Uh I was, I wouldn't say super involved with my faith, but uh, my family grew up doing mass on Sunday and prayers before meals. Um, and so there was definitely a, a real sense of the faith around the house, but uh, we weren't, I wouldn't say, super intentional Catholics about uh, doing it much beyond that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I went to college, I, I kind of started to fade away from the faith a little bit, and I continued to go to Mass on Sundays. Uh, I actually still to this day have no clue why. Uh, <laughs> we know. <laughs> People were praying for you. I was say, there's, were, a pray, there's a praying mama behind us someplace. That's, that's probably so true. Uh, but I, I would go to mass and you know not believe a single thing going on. And the only the only real guess that I have 
is that they say they say statistically, if your father goes to mass, that you will go to mass. Mm-hmm. Like that's the best indicator they have of whether mm-hmm. a kid will mm-hmm. go to mass. And so uh, there was definitely a part of me that really admired my parents and wanted a life like them. And so I think that was probably a big part of it. Was my family goes to mass? I go to mass, mm-hmm. even even though at that time I. I didn't believe a lick of what was going on. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how God blesses our obedience? You know, you were just obedient at that point. Well, I don't, maybe. If it, if it was obedience, <laughs> it was uh, a very low, low level. But you were there. You were showing up, right? I, I was there. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely God using um, our imperfections and uh, even, even kind of the the shallow level of faith that I did have, which was just that my parents have it. So I want it, mm-hmm. you know, cause a part of that was, I was really afraid that if I engaged my faith and then I asked the questions of my faith, those really difficult questions, you know, like who is God? What does the church have to say about things like science and political issues and all these different questions that come up in the midst of college and in the midst of the world, I was, very afraid that if I engage these questions and I ask these questions, I would ultimately be unsatisfied with the answers the church mm, had. Right. And I would find that, I don't know, whatever fear was like, you know, the church wasn't real or maybe Christ wasn't real or God wasn't real. Mm. Um, and that uh, it was all just kind of a scam. Mm. And so I, I really just kind of preferred to live in ignorance mm-hmm. and never ask mm-hmm. rather than engage it because of, of that fear, mm. which is really not helpful in a faith <laughs> life, obviously. Like, But it's a place to start and, and God meets you where you are. Yeah. And sure. you're, you're, you were honest enough with yourself to, to know that at the time yeah. that you didn't want to ask those questions or that came later. No, 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 no. I was not. Yeah. I was, I was actually just talking with, so at some point, um, we got focused missionaries at our mm, campus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I went to Georgia Southern, by the way. I don't know if I said that. Okay. And we, at some point, we got focused missionaries. And I was just talking with the focused missionary who eventually kind of brought me back into my faith and really discipled me and taught me really how to be a Christian man in the midst of the world. Mm. And he said, because I, I, I was under, you know, the idea I was like, I don't think I had one redeeming virtue back then, you know. <laughs> and he was like, no, the one thing you did, you did do is like you were a man of your word. So when you said you were going to do something, you did it. And he was like, that was not something I could take. Uh, that's not something every every guy or gal there really did. Uh, so he's like, I had a lot of people promise me they were coming to Bible studies or whatnot. And they weren't there. He's like you would be really hard to get to say yes. <laughs> but if you said yes, like you would be there. And so towards the end of my my time there, he really kind of started reaching out to me. We developed a good friendship and uh, he just encouraged me and just said, you know, if if God is real and God is who he says we say he is, then there's no question too big for him. There's no reason why you should be afraid. Mm. And if you know if god is too little for a question then it's not god you're dealing with and mm. that's not who we're interested in and you should let that go so wow um yeah it was a great challenge and and then at that point um this is where god always uh kind of turns up the the heat was 
uh, towards the end of my time at college, I really started returning to the faith and really started uh, looking at the faith in a whole new way. We got a new parish priest, uh, a guy named Father Brett Brannon, who every seminarian in the country knows who Father Brett Brannon <laughs> really? is. Really? Uh, because he wrote the only book on discerning the diocesan priesthood. And so every diocesan diocesan seminarian in the country has this guy's book, which just goes through like, what are the questions going to come up if you're discerning the priesthood? This guy shows up at my parish, starts a group for discerning the priesthood, and then like takes a real interest in me. And I, I didn't know anything about the priesthood before then. Uh, I grew up thinking that, honest to God, if you would have if you would have asked me like where do priests come from, I would have said, well, they're they're guys who are older whose wives have died and <laughs> you know they've retired and this is their second career. You and know? it's either go be a greeter at Walmart or yeah. go be a priest, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I do love those Walmart greeters. They are. They're awesome. Um, but yeah, honestly, I had no, I didn't know a seminary existed. I didn't, I'd never heard anything of like formation, discernment of even a vocation. And as many college kids will know, when you get towards the end of college, you start freaking out because you realize <laughs> I, I have to get a job. I have to get a job, right? Uh, and I think even bigger than I have to get a job and make money is like all of a sudden, like, all those like dreams that I had as a kid mm. are either going to be fulfilled or not. Mm. You know, like I, I had all these conceptions in my head about what I'm going to do when I'm in high school and elementary school and the whole world is my oyster, if you will. And then all of a sudden the end of college, you're going, oh man, things are really <laughs> shrinking fast. Uh, it's and, those expectations we're yeah, talking about. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Right, right. Uh, but thanks be to God, the... The priest there is a incredible priest, great salesman, and little <laughs> by little he he convinced me to to go to seminary not not because I I actually really didn't think I was going to become a priest I thought you know it was a f- way far off possibility but uh, he just said you know look God's calling you to be a good father whether that's father of a family mm-hmm. with kids or mm-hmm. whether that's father of a parish family mm-hmm. you know we'll see but. Uh, he really just kind of ingrained that within me. And that was just a yeah desire God put in my heart. And mm-hmm. I knew seminary could help me with that and towards that. So That's beautiful. That that's is. a little bit, yeah, maybe it's a little bit of my own story. That is great. You know, it's interesting. We've, we've talked to several men on this show who went to seminary, but then they did not discern to become priests. Mm-hmm. But what a beautiful... A witness that is though to say but i went and i wanted to become closer to god and so i developed in knowledge and wisdom and virtue and and just a knowledge of god that i'm going to be able to carry into my life and don't we want that for for all of us right oh, absolutely yeah. i mean who wouldn't want a husband and father that had discerned mm-hmm. you know so seriously their mm-hmm. vocation right exactly absolutely. and and spent that much time just really focused on god mm-hmm. in this world where you can be distracted by so many other things yeah mm-hmm. so we were talking right before you joined us we were talking about all the different things that people missed out on this year they missed out on graduations and weddings and we realized when we were talking to you you kind of missed out on kind of something that was like a combination between a graduation <laughs> and a wedding and whatever all in one right yeah absolutely <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, seminary is it's a long, long process, uh, usually about six to eight years. So this is after college. This is after college. Yeah. So 
Yeah, as as my friends who are studying to become doctors are becoming doctors, I'm still in school, like (laughs) waiting and waiting, you know. And so with that, though, there's there's kind of like a gradual progression uh, towards priesthood. And there's these little ceremonies and little events that happen along the way. And there's some really big ones and some really fun ones that happen closer to the end when you're a deacon up at ser- up at seminary. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as you're going through this, you kind of begin to build these expectations of what that's going to look like. And I, I was telling you yesterday that I would compare it probably to what a lot of girls describe as their idea of like weddings, how uh-huh. they've been planning them for years and years and years. And down to every last little napkin and centerpiece in the (laughs) reception hall and the flowers that they're going to have. And I wouldn't say that, you know, like my ordination is exactly that or anything surrounding it is exactly that intense, but uh, there's definitely, you know, uh, a romanticized, idealistic Mm -hmm. That's a great comparison. Yeah, it is. Thought about what that's going to be like. Right. And so... Especially because we're all the bride of Christ, right? Right. Yeah. So as a seminarian, this kind of, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like two things uh, were supposed to happen this summer. Well, did happen, but in a very different way, obviously. I was supposed to graduate from school. So after 25 years of education. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Straight. (laughs) Straight, no break. Yeah. You know, quarter quarter of a lifetime there. Um, I was supposed to graduate from school. And so... You know, one of our like little ceremonies there is we have this big dinner and we have all these toasts and speeches. And then the last day of school, you like everybody kind of brings like drinks to class and you throw all your papers in the air and it just We're good Catholics. We have drinks to class. And uh, yeah, and then it just turns into kind of this big party and the guys just really enjoy their last day of class together. And my own experience of graduation this year was I'm on a Zoom call oh. and we're all just in this random class and then the teacher just goes, Welp, okay, see y'all later. Oh. <laughs> Click. Oh. Like and I'm just sitting there like and nobody's even home in the house. I'm like, Welp, did I just graduate? Or oh. what does that even mean? Oh. You know, so it's so anticlimactic, it's so unceremonious. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, ordination was not as anticlimactic. <laughs> I think I had easily the biggest party that I've seen in all of COVID. Um, we won't tell on you. I know. Okay, all you listeners out there. Don't tell. Actually, all you listeners, you are listening to Shelter and Peace, and you're listening to Father Paul Porter here as we talk today about expectations and where where does God show up and all of that. So, yes, okay, so awesome. So you had this. You did get to have a party for your ordination. Yeah, I had a I had a party. I had lots of family in town. Nobody got COVID. <laughs> That's so great. It was great. It was really beautiful. So God showed up at ordination. <laughs> he he showed up in ordination. Uh, and yeah, the reality is like he never left. And what we were talking about before is we have these great expectations and we start to build narratives of Mm -hmm. what these things are going to look like in our heads. Mm -hmm. And so often that narrative is just not enough. Mm. You know, it's like God just has something more in plan for you. And that narrative kind of constricts what he is able to do within your own life. 
which can end up resulting in like a lot of frustration and a lot mm-hmm. of anger or, and all of these things are, are emotions I'm going through leading up to this, trying to like wrestle with, well, why now, you know, why is COVID happening right in the edge of my ordination? Why is COVID happening right at the edge of my graduation? Because it was all about you. That's right. Exactly, <laughs> right? right. We all say that, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm getting started priesthood at a parish. I was thinking like, well, is my first mass going to be introducing myself on camera? Mm, like yeah. how lame is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and you, 25 years you've been working toward this moment. And Well, yeah. I would say, I would say maybe seven years I've been working towards this moment. 21 or 23 years I've been working against this moment. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Um, What you just said reminded me of the scripture we opened with. So we owe the opening prayer, you know, from Ephesians. To him who is able to accomplish far more than all we ask or imagine. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially what you just said, right? We limit that our narrative limits um, our vision of what God can do. Yeah, I was was thinking actually as as Anne was telling her story about uh, her husband's death and then her family's trip to Belize after, and then talking about Mary Magdalene. Mm-hmm. And there's that story in scripture uh, where after Christ has died, Mary Magdalene's outside the tomb mm-hmm. and she meets Christ and she doesn't recognize him, mm-hmm. you know, and his physical appearance, I mean, it's his resurrected body, but we would assume like you should still recognize that this is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the question then becomes like, why can't Mary recognize Jesus? And why does she recognize him moments later? And the reality is that she's, like Anne was saying, like she's walking around in this fog, mm-hmm. right? She's mm-hmm. walking around in this fog and she can't see because she's so blinded by her grief. And she can't recognize Jesus because she's not looking mm-hmm. for a resurrected man. She's mm-hmm. looking for a dead man. Mm-hmm. She's not looking for wow. a living man. Yeah, it's very insane. And so when she meets Jesus, she has no clue who he is because he in no way, shape, or form is meeting her expectation mm-hmm. or the narrative that she has going in her own head. And so it just it has just made me think like how often we find ourselves walking in this sort of self, not always self-induced fog, but we allow this fog mm-hmm. uh, to blind us to who Christ actually is. Mm-hmm. And when we, we build this narrative, uh, we miss out on the fact that like Christ is a person. Mm, right. And we're not encountering a narrative, we're encountering a human being which is alive and active and new and fresh. Yeah. And, you know, this happens in all our relationships. We get we get comfortable in a relationship and we 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 build up this narrative about somebody and we forget to actually encounter them. Yeah, like yeah. you were saying with your friend earlier, yeah, who is going through this really difficult time, but in your head she's she's not being a great friend or mm-hmm. she's kind of annoying you. Uh, and so this narrative is building rather than encountering the person who is suffering. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And that was so beautiful. I just thought we can't be yeah. quiet on radio cause we're not allowed to, but I'd love to just be quiet for a second and just ponder <laughs> that. Cause that was so deep and rich. And part of what struck me too was, you know, we we're saying we're, we're walking around this fog and this where we've got this narrative on our heads. So sometimes it's our flesh that gets, you know, comes in against us, but sometimes it's the evil one. I mean, he's trying to do that because he does not want us to encounter the living God. He does not want to encounter who Jesus is and this relationship and create this relationship. So we're fighting a lot to be able to. 
Well, and I think especially you know, people are fearful at this time, mm-hmm. and that is where the evil one really has come into mm-hmm. this this situation. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, back to the upper room, they yeah. they were they were fearful again because of the fog that they were in, their grief, their mm-hmm. disappointment. That the the devil just uses that to get in there mm-hmm. and instill fear, and I think that's one of the biggest things that we're fighting against now. Mm-hmm. Is is you know how do we um, how do we oppress that and look to the person of, of Jesus for right. our, for our hope and look at look for the resurrected Jesus? I love that. Yeah, we're not looking for we're, a dead. We're man. not looking for a dead man. Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. So we've got just a few minutes left, and so we do want to leave our listeners with some of those ideas. What are some ways that we can do that? That we can encounter Christ in our daily lives? That we can find the see the living man who's there? Do you guys have some thoughts? I know that Anne, you. You had a few thoughts. I'm sure, Father, you've got a few thoughts as well. Do you guys have some thoughts to share of ways we can do that? Well, um, I just think it, you know, that today's mother's or Saint Mother Teresa, however we're going to say that. Yeah. Um, her day. Saint Blessed Mother. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> She's a lot of titles. Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, I have a, a plaque in my kitchen and I woke up this morning and it struck me as I was, you know, trying to pour the coffee and wake up. Um, and the quote is, not all of us can do great things, but we can do simple things with great love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that this is a time where, a, a, you know, we don't have the opportunity to go out and do ministry like we did in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, Father was really looking forward to having a church full of people mm-hmm. for his first mass, mm-hmm. you know, and they had to show up with masks on. And at least you weren't just behind a screen. That's right. Um, right. But, you know, we maybe... God is really calling us to the simple things mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. Um, with and great love, with part. great yeah. with great love, and yeah. just reconnecting with our families. You know, the time that I had Thomas home when he was supposed to be, you know, mm-hmm. finishing his um, his schooling in St. Louis was such a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he had a job lined up for June, and he was going to go directly in St. Louis mm-hmm. from school to job. Mm -hmm. I never would have had that time with him. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the things that we did during that time is we were on the quest to make the perfect pizza. (laughs) And so I had Thomas and and my daughter, grown daughter and her boyfriend and all, you know, once a week we would gather and try to figure out, you know, a different dough recipe or different toppings to make the perfect pizza. And it seems silly, but, but it's not. You know, the, the, we encounter Christ through those bonds of love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just those opportunities to have relationship with each other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I totally, totally agree. And I think just kind of continuing off of the idea of encountering a, a living person, right? So I think it was Benedict who just kept reinforcing that idea that, you know, Christianity is not a philosophy, it's not... Uh, an ascent to some intellectual idea. It's an encounter with a person. Mm -hmm. And the way that we continuously encounter this person is through the relationship of prayer. Mm. Um, I like Cardinal Dolan's, uh, in one of his books on the priesthood, Priest for the Third Millennium, he talks about how growing up, his mother and his father, his father was, uh, his mom was a stay-at-home mom, but his father worked in a factory and, you know, was up at 8 a, or 6 a.m. and gone until 6 in the evening. And when he would come home every single evening, his mother and father would have tea for an hour. Hmm. Uh, and that was just a rule that they had, to, no matter what, mm-hmm. they had tea for an hour and they talked for an hour. And they were intentional that no matter what happened, they would have this relationship, uh, this thing that would help 
you know, keep the relationship strong is this tea time. Mm-hmm. And so Cardinal Dolan always talks about having tea time with Jesus. Right? <laughs> That's right. Like if you want your relationship to stay strong and you want this relationship to, to stay alive and yep. to continue to feel this energy and this love and this warmth from this person who we're in relationship with, then we have to put forth this time daily. It doesn't necessarily have to be an hour. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, different people have different abilities uh, in terms of their own schedules, but mm-hmm. it has to be significant enough uh, to to uh, keep that relationship strong and keep us actively living uh, in relationship with a person and not just a narrative or something we've construed in our own minds. That's great. Well, Father Paul, we thank you so much for being thank with you. us today. Thanks yes, for we're me. so glad. What a blessing. And would you close us in prayer and just pray for yeah. our listeners just that they would experience that relationship with the living resurrected Christ. Right? Absolutely. In the name of the Father Amen. and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, I ask that you send your Holy Spirit into the church here in Atlanta. Allow us to grow closer to one another. Uh, allow us to be enlivened with your spirit so that we can be sent out in ministry, sent out to the fields. Uh, and we just ask that you send us more laborers and more more harvesters to, to bring in what it is you've placed before us. And we ask all of this, the intercession of your blessed mother, and in your son's name, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Anne. Thank you, Father Thank Paul. You. Great Thank to be you, here. Producer Annie. And our dear listeners, you've been listening to Shelter in Peace on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta radio station. We'll see you next week. <laughs>